You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. What we're dealing with here is a total lack of respect for the law. Tune in to Done By Law. An informal and irreverent look at the law. Critical insights and analysis from diverse community perspectives. Done by law, 6pm Tuesdays. Good evening and welcome to Done by Law on 3CR 855am, 3cr.org.au and 3CR Digital. It's 6pm and you're here with Beth and Ingrid, broadcasting live from the 3CR studio. We'd like to start by acknowledging the traditional owners of the lands on which we're broadcasting and recording, and where we are, that's the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, and to pay our respects to their elders past and present. Beth here. Tonight we're looking at community legal centres and the dedicated lawyers who work in them. Community legal centres are independent community organisations that provide free legal services to the public. They exist to enable a strong collective voice for justice and equality, using the law as a tool for achieving this. While success is hard to measure and injustice still prevails in many quarters, there's no doubt that since their inception in the 1970s, community legal centres have expanded possibilities for better legal outcomes and have responded to the legal needs of people previously excluded from accessing justice. Poor people, young people, those who've been victimised and criminalised by police, First Nations peoples, people with mental health issues, people with disabilities, migrants, refugees, prisoners and women routinely positioned outside the privileged confines of the law's protection. All of these have a place in the history of community legal centres and their many victories. We're fortunate tonight to be joined by two deeply experienced and dedicated CLC lawyers. The first of these is Lynn Cow, Managing Criminal Lawyer at the Law and Advocacy Centre for Women, a community legal centre designed specifically for women who are in or at risk of entering the criminal justice system. We're also very lucky to be joined by Megan Fitzgerald, who joined Fitzroy Legal Service in 2008 and for a number of years held the role of Manager of Social Action, Policy and Law Reform. In October 2020, she took on a new role of Special Counsel, leading the strategic litigation and campaign work of Fitzroy Legal Service. Megan also sits on the board of Harm Reduction Australia. Um, Welcome, Lynn and Megan. Thank you for having us, Ingrid and Beth. Yeah, thank you. It's great to have you both on the show. We're really excited to hear from you tonight and we wanted to get a picture, firstly, of a day in the life of a CLC lawyer. Um, Lynn, to start with, what is the Law and Advocacy Centre for Women and what's your role there? Um, Ingrid, the Law and Advocacy Centre for Women is a legal practice that provides assistance to women who face criminal charges, related intervention order proceedings, child protection proceedings. We also cover um, victims of crime applications, infringement matters and provide case management to our clients. Um, My role here at the Law and Advocacy Centre for Women is the managing lawyer in our criminal division. 
And Lynn, what's the typical day like in the life of a, a LACWA lawyer? Can we can we say LACWA? Yes, yes, we're fondly known as LACWA, so that, that's great. <laughs> um, I can confidently say that a typical day for a LACWA lawyer would be possibly having your second coffee by 9.30am. Um, ever since uh, the restrictions have lifted, our lawyers are predominantly appearing physically at court or on WebEx for our ladies. Um, during the COVID lockdowns, the practice has expanded extensively to the regional courts um, where there's capacity to appear via WebEx, and we continue to offer those services to our clients in remote regional areas. Um, so it's quite common for our services to be referred to client in custody, which would then involve our lawyers appearing in bail applications or organising for someone to appear. Um, towards the end of the court day, we'll be back at our desk catching up with all of the missed phone calls whilst we've been at court and responding to emails. Thank you, Lynn. That sounds like a very busy day indeed. Um, Megan, over to you. What's the focus of the Fitzroy Legal Service and what's your role there as special counsel? Um, well, my my role as special counsel is that I direct the strategic litigation that comes out of the service. So there's a kind of cases that are generally in um, higher courts and where we're trying to achieve a social change or a law reform through the, the casework. And they're often cases that are um, where we're collaborating quite strongly with the community. So um, I, I kind of think of it like movement lawyering or community development lawyering, and there's a lot of stakeholder engagement as well. Um, so that's the work that I do at the moment. And... Um, Fitzroy as an entity is um, really quite complicated. We do so many different things. Um, we, we've just expanded into reserv- reservoir and we sort of run all the way up that corridor. We have drug outreach lawyers who do um, outreaches to the needle syringe programs. We have um, lawyers who work at Sabinis with people who've got um, mental health issues. We've got um, a family violence practice, duty lawyers who work at the Heidelberg Magistrates Court. We have a criminal practice. Um, we have duty lawyers at the Neighbourhood Justice Centre. And we also have, I, I will have missed things, but um, we also have the Neighbourhood, um, sorry, the Night Service, uh, which has operated, I think, since the beginning of Fitzroy Legal Service, but that runs five nights a week, usually. Like, we're still in post-COVID kind of, sorting ourselves out, but normally it's a five-night-a-week service. And the other thing about Fitzroy is we have about 200 volunteers at any given time, so we're kind of this large, amorphous entity that does a lot of stuff for free. (laughs) Yeah. And, Megan, how do you determine what those um, strategic litigation cases are that you take on? What, what are the sorts of factors that feed into where you might take a case to a higher court? Yeah, I'll, I'll be really honest about it. There's a bit of a gut feeling about timing and, and there's a bit of um, opportunities coming together and also the kind of... There's just this intuitive aspect to it that I can't quite explain that's actually quite important and also... Um, the, the community is kind of telling us what to do um, and, and there'll be that pressure that's coming from the community to do something about an issue and um, the chance comes up and, and if it's 
if it's the right chance, uh, we sort of have to do it. And so, yeah, there's, there's, it's, it's not an easy, neat sort of thing to write down, but it, it's something that is very much connected with the social environment and with what the community sort of saying to us in a variety of ways or trends in our casework, injustices, I guess, um, that, and also we need to feel that we're best placed to do that thing. Um, so usually if there's another CLC that we think can drive a, a law reform issue, they will do that. Um, so it needs to also have a fit that's really specific to Fitzroy Legal Service. Yeah. Thanks, Megan. Um, and in terms of a typical day in the life of a lawyer from a Fitzroy Legal Service, I think Lynn was saying second coffee by 9.30, which might be a bit of a, a conservative estimate. What's a day like for a Fitzroy Legal Service lawyer? It's just so variable. So um, we're really um, focused on, I mean, I think outreach and um, co-location with different, like we're sort of, have tentacles out into the community a lot. So people will be working in quite different environments. They might change from day to day. Um, and also duty lawyer services. Like, we're all kind of having different days, you know. Like, there'll be some of us where there's a bit of common ground. Um, but I think the ethos is very much the same, which is it's around meeting in the community where they're at, being as accessible and meaningful in their interventions as we can be. Um, and working across sectors to try to resolve complicated issues. Um, so, yeah, we all have different days. Um, Lynn, why did you choose life as a community lawyer? Um, because I'd been working in the private sector for close to about 10 years, and at times I've had to turn away clients because they didn't meet the legal aid guidelines for funding or could not fund their cases privately. Um, in private practice, we were never precluded from taking on pro bono cases, but the practicalities of working in that private se uh, setting really limited the number of pro bono cases we could take on. Um, so it was extremely refreshing coming over to LACWA, batting for the vulnerable um, and or privileged members of our community who were unable to secure legal representation for various reasons. Um, I've been here for about four years now, um, and it's still a very enjoyable process. And Megan, did you have a similar reason for following the path of the grassroots lawyer? Um, no, what happened for me was I did my law degree and then I realised that I felt that I was potentially unemployable um, in the private sector, mainly just because I, I didn't have... Um, my background was a little bit... Um, how do you call it, um, challenging before I came into the law and I was really nervous and I, I just absolutely knew that I wouldn't fit in and that I was too opinionated and that I'd be a misfit, I guess. And um, I was really lucky to get supported by a man called Peter Noble um, who said to me, if you don't fit in anywhere else, you should definitely come to Fitzroy. And, and that's what I did and I, I volunteered at Fitzroy for a couple of years. And I found it a really, I don't know, it was just such a rewarding, wonderful experience. And um, I kind of just hang, hung around and eventually ended up with different jobs. And then I got a really important job because um, another guy called Dan Winifred 
who I'd been shadowing and supporting suddenly left to go work with the Attorney General and because I knew his files, he put me in the position. So it was actually the position I'm in now um, and I was an incredibly junior lawyer. Um, but, yeah, Fitzroy always had this kind of ethos of um, bringing in people who were misfits, I suppose, um, and and that they, they, they definitely remain like an incredibly committed workforce, I think, because of that diversity. Um, yeah, that's how I arrived, by luck. And full disclosure, um, Beth, I work at Fitzroy Legal Service as well, and I just think how lucky we are to have Megan on staff and all of the other community legal centre staff that can cut through the bullshit and achieve incredible results. It's amazing. Thank you, Lynn and Megan. They're two very different paths to CLCs, but really interesting to hear about both of your um, your pathways to get to your current roles. Um, we wanted to ask some questions about integrated practice models now, which sounds a bit um, <laughs> boring for want of a better word, but represent something that I think is really important and emerging in the sector. Um, Lynn and Megan, both of the community legal centres in which you work have adopted an integrated practice model at different points. Um, Megan, you know, for example, that you mentioned the drug outreach lawyer program at the Fitzroy Legal Service. Could you explain what an integrated practice model is and why it's important for your clients? I, I can explain what I think it is. Um, with the with the Drug Outreach Lawyer program, that's been running for 20 years, and so the language of integrated practice model is probably more recent than the practice itself, but it, it's, um, I guess, holistic lawyering that looks at the whole of the person, and um, it means that it's not just what happens in a courtroom. It's it's um, it's not just yeah. It's not just preparing for what happens in a courtroom either. It's about what serves the person's best interests and 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 listening well and working out um, how to work with a lot of allied services. So I guess community lawyering, I think traditionally, always has been really focused on working within the social sector and, um, you know, it might involve supporting someone around housing needs, it might involve looking at a criminal matter but then also recognising that there's a domestic violence matter, there's a, um, you know, child protection matter, there might be a lot of different stuff going on and often with our clients there's a lot of health issues going on so a huge partnership that drives a hell of a lot of our work is with the health sector. Um, and we're incredibly privileged in those relationships because um, the outcomes that we're able to get for our clients are just so different than if we weren't working as partners with all those different community group, uh, community sector allies. Yeah. Thanks, Megan. Uh, Lynn, does that resonate with you? Uh, has an integrated practice model um, played out in a, in a criminal law- lawyering context at LACWA as well? Yeah, it, it certainly has. Um, having case managers with that wealth of social work experience plays that extremely valuable role to the practice. Um, our clients present to us with multiple and complex needs, um, you know, those including homelessness, experiencing family violence, 
um, both as a victim and at times misidentified as a perpetrator. And then there's challenges, uh, challenges around their cognitive functioning, which can be intertwined with the mental health and substance misuse. Um, ordinarily enough, when it's um, a, a file such as that lands on our desk and, and the lady ticks every single one of those boxes, which is not uncommon in our legal practice, it could be very overwhelming for a lawyer to have a look at that. So having that additional layer of support from a case manager to navigate um, the complexities for that lady is um, very helpful. And you know, at times I'm afraid to contemplate how overwhelming it would be for that particular individual who's experiencing all of that, as well as having to deal with criminal charges before the court. And so um, our social workers have been fantastic in helping our clients navigate their needs by referring them to appropriate services. Um, or if they're already tapped in or linked in with other support services, our case managers um, have at times formed part of the care team just to keep us in the loop about what's happening with our clients and their needs. And so from a criminal um, perspective, um, having that kind of information at your hand could mean um, avoiding a warrant being issued um, by a magistrate for an extremely individual client who's experiencing some form of crisis where they cannot attend court. Absolutely, Lynn. Avoiding a warrant can be the difference between uh, spending days uh, incarcerated or, or months on, on remand and, and not, so, so important. Um, are there other improved outcomes you've seen for women who are able to access that assistance of social workers and other services rather than you know, the practice solely meeting their legal needs? Um, well, on the practical side of things, we've, we've seen clients transition um, to some form of accommodation when they're linked in with um, the housing services or being linked in with the, the local area mental health worker um, at the hospital that their, uh, their catchment falls in, um, not to mention tapping into those additional laser supports um, when uh, an application for NDIS could be commenced because for these ladies it's just far too difficult for them to do it on their own. Um, so they'll need that additional support to go through um, the process. But we have also seen over an extended period of time clients move on to be gainfully employed, um, even with a criminal history. Um, we've seen those relocated to a different um, area starting a fresh new life away from the temptations of their past because um, our social worker has been able um, to link them in with um, different um, support services to assist with, for example, a plane ticket to a different state um, or um, housing in a different area. And not to mention clients who've completely turned over a new leaf 180 degrees where they've successfully engaged in um, residential rehabilitation and sometimes um, for our ladies, getting into a resi rehab um, um, is easier than staying at the residential rehab and having our case managers work through with them, can, um, encouraging them to stay there. Um, that is very beneficial, not only for the individual themselves, but um, the community as a whole, because it's, it, it's served its purpose. The community is now in a safer place with, with someone who's fully rehabilitated. And Megan, how does working in an integrated practice broaden your understanding of your clients' legal needs? Um, I think it's a really solid foundation for lawyers, actually, just generally, to come into a legal um, problem or someone presenting with a legal problem and learn to listen really carefully for what's actually 
going on and what might be driving the engagement with the criminal justice system or the justice system generally. Um, so I feel like it's it, it's improved. I mean, I think it's I think it's good lawyering, really. Um, I don't know if that answers the question, but I just think it's you understand and you're trained to listen for what people are actually needing and um, to think about problem solving in a much broader way than, you know, just as a legal issue. And I think we're very fortunate because we're not governed by corporate interests, you know, like we don't have to have billable minutes or anything like that. And also we are independent from government as well, so we just have this kind of flexibility to think about what's really going on and how we can best support a community member or sometimes collective within the community to, you know, be seen and heard and have their needs addressed. I mean, it's not always basic because there's a massive shortage of resources in the community sector as well in terms of housing and, um, you know, uh, even residential rehabilitation, all of that stuff, there's massive shortages in those areas as well. But I think also you learn to look at your outcome of a case in a different way and it's not just what happens in a court. It might be about the housing that was secured that now has prevented further engagements and, and improved someone's life or, yeah, you get a broader perspective of legal needs and legal solutions. Yeah, Absolutely. We're just going to go to a community announcement now and then we'll come back to um, conclude our discussion. You've been listening to Done By Law on 3CR 855 AM. Get up, stand up, stand up for your right. Hi, I'm Robbie Thorpe. Beyond the Bars is 3CR's annual prison radio series where we share the mic with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander men and women in Victoria's prisons. Beyond the Bars started in 2002 and this year marks 21 years on air. So tune in at 11am each day during NAIDOC from Monday the 4th of July to Friday the 8th of July for the Beyond the Bars 2022 broadcasts. For more information, head to our website 3cr.org.au backslash Bars. It's 6.23pm and you're here with Ingrid and Beth um, on Done By Law, 3CR 855am, 3cr.org.au and 3CR Digital. Tonight we're talking to Lynn Cow of the Law and Advocacy Centre for Women and Megan Fitzgerald from Fitzroy Legal Service about the life of a community legal centre lawyer and the roots of CLCs in the history of activism and grassroots change. And in fact, it's that latter part that we wanted to finish our show with tonight. The list of CLC achievements and campaigns is long. 
It includes achieving mandatory third-party motor vehicle insurance, working to make public and identifiable the problem of family violence and to support victims of family violence, campaigns against police violence, including the long-running police shootings campaign, campaigns for prisoner rights and achieving recent changes to guardianship and administration laws that now give VCAT the scope to appoint guardians to administer the affairs of missing persons. One of the greatest achievements of CLCs, it it has been said, is also one of the most fundamental. And with roots in a time before legal aid, it's largely because of the work of CLCs that legal representation is now seen as a basic right in serious criminal matters. Lynn, let's take up that last point. In your view, why is it critical for your clients to have legal representation in their criminal law matters? And is this at LACWA restricted to serious criminal matters or does it extend to summary matters as well? Um, Well, everyone should be entitled to have legal advice and everyone should be entitled to be legally represented in the courtroom, whether, you know, it's serious or minor. Um, And what may seem minor to us, given the work that we do day in and day out, may be very serious for a person who's never been in trouble with the law before and fronting a magistrate for the very first time. Um, it's, it's, it's sad to see that there's a growing trend of a lot of self-represented persons in the courtroom. Um, sometimes information that may seem irrelevant to a self-represented person could be a very significant mitigating factor for that person in a plea hearing or um, a relevant consideration for a judicial officer when determining bail. And um, now we've We've, we've also seen in the courtroom for self-represented persons magistrates having to take on that additional task of suggesting to the accused person that perhaps they should not enter a plea of guilty because there's a lack of evidence. Um, and that process would be so much more efficient um, if a lawyer was involved. Um, we do see on the rare occasion, though, um, sometimes there is a self-represented person in the courtroom because they've chosen... Um, not to take up the legal advice from a lawyer, but that's that's a stark difference to someone who's unable to secure a lawyer due to their inability to privately fund their case or meet a funding guideline. But here at LACWA, um, serious or minor, um, we will assess the matters on a case-by-case basis and more often than not, um, we would be assisting the woman in court. Thanks, Lynn. Megan, what are some of the achievements of Fitzroy Legal Service over the years? How do you see these achievements as being situated in the history of CLCs since their inception, particularly in the history of CLCs as a means of protest and a vehicle for social change? Yeah, I think that Fitzroy has just achieved so many things that it's there's so much that I'm proud of, which is really cool to be able to say. Um, but I think one of the things is we've got the law handbook online and that's free um, and it's accessed, you know, hundreds of thousands, I don't know how many times, but it's a lot, you know, it's like 30,000 a week or something like that. And so that is just there and it's updated every year and anybody can go and find out and become kind of pretty pretty skilled up on any legal issue. Um, then I think uh, there's just so many achievements. I think the fact that we have this incredible volunteer base, which makes us quite um, politically strong because we're able to give so much assistance to the community at such low cost, you know, and I think that that gives us freedom to stand up and fight about other things without risking being defunded or feeling threatened about that. Um, I probably shouldn't have said that, but that is what I think. 
And um, and for myself, you know, I feel like some of our litigation has just been really impactful. So, you know, we were involved in the East-West uh, link litigation, which involved a massive, massive um, uh, reallocation of resources towards sustainable transport options. We've, we've been involved in... Um, you know, the Bowen proceeding where the young kids were in, in um, the lock-up um, in getting them transferred out of there. We've been involved in a lot of cases, a lot of really important cases. The most recent one has been a harm reduction intervention in um, the Veronica and Nelson inquest. Um, and it's all just really important work. The other case we were involved in that I was really proud about was the Bendigo Street squatting case where there was a seven-month occupation um, of, of houses in Collingwood and just a, a large number of people were housed through that. And um, it's things like that, you know, and, and I, but I think at the end of the day, like the, the, the thing that I think is very powerful as an achievement for Fitzroy is all the times that we do things that might be difficult, you know, and, and might not be, um, they might be sort of challenging personally and, and, and we might need to put our ego to the side or our popularity to the side and really um, try and act on um, a, a, from a space of integrity and, 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 you know, just put all that nonsense to the side and, and do what's brave. And uh, I think every time we do that, that's a massive achievement. Um, and to keep doing it, like I'm very proud of the work of Fitzroy. I think there's a lot of really fantastic lawyers who 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 do that work daily. Um, yeah. Thanks. So I can't narrow it down. <laughs> <laughs> that's Sorry. understandable. There's a big list of achievements, and I think doing yeah. what's brave is a really um, great way to end our show on. It's all we have time for now. I think next time we need a three-hour show for Lynn and Megan to share their um, their wisdom and their experience with us. Um, if you'd like to get in touch with LACWA, you can call 94488930 or visit their website. And if you'd like to get in touch with Fitzroy Legal Service, you can call 94193744 or visit their website. Um, Lynn and Megan, thank you so much for being on our show tonight. Um, we've really appreciated you sharing your time from your very busy schedule as CLC lawyers. Um, so thank you for joining us. Thank you for having us. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.